Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're discussing Season 4, Episode 10, entitled Inmates. Uh, one of our least favorite episodes of this half season. <laughs> We've only been two. That's that's a diplomatic way to put it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it may have been one of your least favorite uh, episodes of a lot of the seasons that we've I, had, right? I, I, I mean... I had some debates with the listeners in email mm-hmm. and, you know, cause some people were like chiding me for hyperbole. And I'm like, if I say something's the best ever, that generally means that it could be put on the top 10 list of episodes for that show. That's what I try okay. to say. Or if I say it's top 10 and I just listed 11 episodes and somebody just got bumped. Mm-hmm. And if I say it's like the worst then it's in the top 10 bottom, I would say that this show would probably fit into the top 10 worst I think I could fit. I think I got room for it there. Yeah. Um, it might. I don't know. The second time I watched it, I was a little less critical of it. Um, and I'm not sure if that was kind of me bending to the will of some of the audience members or if that was because I just wasn't as offended seeing things for the second time because I knew they were coming and I knew they were going to be stupid. Yeah. Um, the, the instant take brings out a lot of our... <laughs> emotional reactions to the episodes whereas if we go back and we look at them kind of analytically we see a lot of different perspectives and in our defense we had just finished doing 13 podcasts <laughs> and had been up for more more than we should at our age um and and, 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 and they were and, excellent shows right yeah and then house of cards season two is on the whole pretty excellent by the way we did the whole season two uh, in instant cast form, if you're mm-hmm. plowing through that Netflix, so check it out on baldmove.com. Um, and then so, you you hit this turd sandwich uh, yeah. at at the tenth hour or the eleventh hour, and I was just no mas. I'm not going to say that it it was a good episode by any means. I think there were so many just ridiculous, dumb things in this episode that it was a bad episode of The Walking Dead. I don't. I don't know that I would call it the worst ever. There were some things in season two where I just wanted to pull my hair. Oh out no! It it's so bad. it. Look, it's not the worst ever episode. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying it's probably at number eight, nine, or ten for me. All right. I, I went Fair through enough. Wikipedia and I looked at the list of episodes. I'm like, what would be my top ten? I compiled that, and you mm-hmm. know, and then I'd be like, what would be my bottom ten? And that was trickier because I think that most Walking Dead. Um, is above average to average with, you know, probably eight to 10 great episodes, some two or three like yeah. classic episodes, but the bottom it's, it's very rarely does it just crater into the ground and, you know, explode, uh, like so many jetliners. It's, <laughs> I mean, I, it'd be uh-huh. tough to come up with a top, a, a bottom five for me, like just turd. Like I look at the title and I want to kill myself. So I don't <laughs> know if it's the frogs, man. I, yeah. I don't know if it's that bad, but, uh, anyway. Okay. Well, maybe we should get into the recap and we can talk about, uh, some of the things we like. Actually, uh, I know some people emailed in and said, oh man, I had to turn it off. I couldn't even listen to you guys. And they turned it off 10 minutes in. Well, 10 minutes is about where we start to talk about the things that we liked about the episode. Yeah. Maybe next time we should reverse, uh, you know, back that thing up, flip it and reverse it and do the, what we liked first and then save the worst <laughs> for last. But in my mind, 
the I mean, it was hard to get past the Tyrese group. I'm gonna call it. Oh yeah, yeah. So sure. Okay. Well, uh, we're gonna talk about Beth and Daryl first, so you don't have to worry about that just yet. Okay. Uh, so we start off with Beth reading her diary over uh, some scenes of them running through the woods, her and, and Daryl. Uh, and this this journal is very optimistic about uh, finding this prison. And that's kind of the time frame it happens in. It's, you know, they're settling down uh, with this new building. They can, you know, plant crops and they can live there forever and be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I, I like this particular journal entry overlaid over what we know just happened uh with the prison yep it did not turn out anything like beth hoped it would and like herschel hoped it would yeah um i i actually like that conceit and i Mm kind of wish that they used it more but the way that this was almost like this felt like a treehouse of horror simpsons episode where they're just like, you know, it's like a mini anthology in one episode where you had a whole bunch of stuff that didn't have anything to do with the other. Um, and I think that that conceit would have worked better had it been something to where it was contributing thematically to the arc of the episode rather than mm-hmm. something that was just like, wow, look how, look how fucked up things turned out compared to where they thought they'd be. You know, I'm not totally sure that it doesn't have something thematic going on here because I know – Herschel was a very strong figure in this group, and he was kind of throughout last half of the season the voice of hope the entire time, uh-huh. um, and kind of always has been. You know, I mean, he's a man of faith, and that's kind of where his perspective lies. All right. Um, the he has rubbed off on so many people in this group. I mean, there's stuff in here that shows that Glenn had obviously very much respect for the guy uh, and kind of picked up some of those torches. Uh, Maggie. Beth, I mean, both of those girls have been instilled with this sense of hope from their father. And I think that's one of the themes coming off right off of his death that we're trying to see here. Sure. And and that that blends perfectly with that diary entry, I think. Okay. So I actually thought, yeah, like like you said, that that diary entry is really good. Um, There were also some really cool shots here, like the crickets and the spider webs I liked. And then you get some fungus on some trees and... Just showing you uh, kind of how these characters feel at the moment, you know. Um, also, Daryl took I, I don't so what's up with Daryl here? He's obviously mopey. He's not having fun. Does he? Did he take Herschel's death hard, or just the separation of the group and the destruction of the prison? I don't know. Um, that's a. I was trying to figure that on on the second watch. And I think it's like one of those things where Daryl is trying to war his default his his default mode is like pessimism and thinking the world's shit and he'd be better off on his own. Mm-hmm. And you know, many times we've seen where that his better nature wins out and he trusts the the people he's with and starts to rely on them and and he sees them as a source of family. But he, you know, Carol just got banished. The prison just got, you know, bum-rushed and and fucked. And now he's stuck with Beth, who's trying to, you know, force him back into that savior role. And he just wants to sit Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, space out a little bit. 
And yeah. I think it's just a little much for him to deal with. What What was your take? Uh, yeah. I mean, I felt like with the rest of the kind of um, hope theme that's going through this episode with and Herschel in particular, that Daryl really took Herschel's death hard. Um, mm-hmm. and I and I don't know how much of it is is that or the prison, but uh, it's probably a lot of both at play here. Um, right. So. Then, like you said, Beth is trying to convince Daryl to, to you know, track down the others and get back up off his ass. Uh, and she decides, I'm going to go out and track him if you're not. And so Daryl begrudgingly follows in the middle her. Of, in, in, the, in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh-huh, sure. And, and Daryl, you know, he's got to be thinking, God, this is so dumb. So dumb. This is bullshit. Don't go out there. It's, Are you kidding me? And, and, and the other thing is, uh, you know, I don't get to criticize Daryl's survival skills very often. But camping in the middle of the woods with a roaring fire at night seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, these people seem to like the woods. I mean, later Carol says, hey, we should stick to the woods or whatever when they suggest the tracks. Are, are there are there no houses um, within like a walk? I mean, with all the signs, dire warnings about not picking up hitchhikers because they could be inmates, mm-hmm. you'd think that this was a resident, you know, there's some residents around here. Um and like any kind of shithole house with w- walls and doors would be better than the you know the the open woods as far as walker protection. I uh, sure. it's going to be novel. I'll ha- I, I get to criticize Daryl in a survival <laughs> review. I don't think that's ever happened before. All right, maybe he just couldn't. They weren't able to find one before dark came. For night, man, I don't know. Uh, I, I expect him to like bust out a Joe Teddy slash Cody London style wigwam lean to. I mean, I've seen those dudes yeah. make one in like an hour, and you can't tell me <laughs> that Daryl doesn't sit around in his trailer watching shit like Dual Survivor and Survivor Man and Man vs. Wild. He, if, if, if and if you know his long uh, walks as a boy when his dad kicked his ass and kicked him out. If he has wasn't making that shit in the woods, and I don't know, don't okay, don't buy it. Fair enough. Better yet, we'll a tree. Better yet, a tree stand. <laughs> uh, so then Daryl finds some tracks, and he's uh, kind of pessimistic about the chances of finding these people after like five hours or so. But Beth is pretty sure they're still alive, so she runs off after him. Uh, they find some berries. They find some walker tracks. Beth gets attacked. Whole bunch of stuff here. Um, <laughs> Beth gets attacked. I, I... <laughs> Yeah, we'll just gloss right over that. Who cares? Uh, but I feel like really Beth is the safest person in this entire scenario at this point because she is with Daryl. And despite Daryl's mopiness, even mopey Daryl is a badass. Yeah, Daryl giving 10% of his shit is is better <laughs> than everyone else giving 110%. Absolutely. Because and, and, and the other, on the other side of things, you got Tyrese being like, I hear a sound. You two girls stay here and watch this baby. Why run <laughs> off in God knows where and what direction? So that's the thing, you know, uh, Daryl is so selfless. Like, even if Daryl himself is in danger, if Beth is in danger, Daryl's going to run over and help her first. He can't help himself. Yeah. So good on Daryl. And I feel like, Beth, you're you're super safe. Don't worry about yourself. Well, the, well the, OK, will the Walking Dead ever give up the stealth zombie b- business? And, and they upped the ante no. here where they had a stealth zombie that was making crashing through the woods noises. From ten feet away, that Beth couldn't triangulate on. Yeah, I I don't think they'll ever give that up. I'm I'm honestly giving up criticizing that at this point because 
what's the point? It happens like every episode. Well, I, if there's like if they're in a structure and a door shut, okay. But I just feel like maybe mm-hmm. she should have used the sleeve she ripped off of her shirt and fashioned them into a Q-tip and cleaned out her fucking ears because I just cannot <laughs> believe she didn't hear that guy coming. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty unbelievable. But what are you gonna do? Piss and moan about uh, it on a podcast. Apparently, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so they find some railroad tracks where there are walkers eating bodies. Uh, they kill them all, and they find a child's shoe, and Beth just loses her shit. So another – so people are like, why did you hate this episode? And and here's why I think it was more of a jumbled mess. So we – they held up this, this shoe, and it's a little shoe, and I'm mm-hmm. guessing that Beth recognized it, or else I don't really know why she's losing her shit. Because this is the same girl who's – boyfriend slash slam piece slash whatever uh gets killed going to the piggly wiggly and she gives yeah. zero fucks she's like yep. ex- explicitly hardened about that and she you know prison gets ransacked her father gets beheaded doesn't know if her sister's dead or not um and she's she's like all ball of fire but she sees a bloody shoe and just loses her shit i don't know why and that's like it's starting to get old to me because think about all the times Skylar White on Breaking Bad lost her shit. Mm-hmm. Did you ever wonder, gee, where did that come from? I don't understand. It seems like that 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 no, doesn't consistent with their character. Time. Um when Never. when Don Draper fucking breaks down and gets like teary rimmed eyes, do you ever think and wonder, what is he thinking? Why is this reaction? <laughs> where is it coming from? Like Never. at some point Watching people cry and get all snot and bubbly doesn't mean a goddamn thing. It's just yet another stealth zombie attack. It it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't have any effect on me because they seem like they're not real people. I can't pin their motivations. Mm. And I don't know, like, 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 what is the writer and director thinking when they're looking at that scene? Well, we've got some kind of, you know, and and it turns out that they didn't even know these people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the same group yeah. that like sees a hitchhiker begging for his life on the road, runs right past him, and on the way back scavenges his body without even stopping. I mm-hmm. I just would like to see some consistency in the way these people behave, so I can start to identify them and and feel their same emotions. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I don't know what that scene was about, and I I don't know what to say about it. Therefore, I mean, is the is so, like, again the. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I move it. I think we should move on. Yeah, we should. Uh, so they they finish the diary entry over a scene of them sitting around the campfire, and Beth is ripping out uh, blank journal pages and throwing them into the fire. Uh, she can't do that too much longer. She's going to run out of pages. Do you think she's still going to write in that diary? I don't know. Um, that's interesting. I actually was surprised to see her ripping out blank entries because. Um, I was expecting her to like be ripping out the written entries as another kind of like nihilistic statement yeah. on her point of view, and I thought actually that was a missed opportunity. Like beginning of the beginning of the episode, Beth, I could, and especially if uh, you know if, if Daryl had been like, "You burning your diary? That's bullshit," and she's like, "I'm just burning, I'm just burning <laughs> the empty pages, Daryl. Uh, you silly, not the ones about you, Daryl. Yeah, I'm saving those and putting a kiss on each page." <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, her dead-eyed feeding, like, the written happy-go-lucky with, dot, you know, eyes dotted with hearts pages into the fire. That would have been kind of cool. 
But her just sitting around yeah, burning yeah. blank pages of diary again. What the fuck am I supposed to think about that? So, I don't know. That's a problem. Because I, I want to <laughs> say that, yeah, I want to say that she is deciding not to write in her journal again um, because she only writes in it when she's happy. But we know that's not right. true. She wrote in it when her boyfriend just got slaughtered by walkers. Right. So, I don't know. I really don't know um, why the blank pages. Because I think it works much better as you describe it. I think – here's another – and this is – sometimes I've, I've said this, it seems like at least once a season. I feel like this episode was stitched together from three other different episodes, and it suffered a lot in the editing. It could be, Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that just – like ideas like the shoe that looks exactly like Mika's shoe that they actually zoom in on later on in the Mika, Tyrese, Lizzie part of the episode – but it, there's no payoff. It doesn't go anywhere. And even the way they kind of played with the timeline, I thought that was cool until I realized that, shit, it didn't really go anywhere. Because Tyrese and Mika and all them, they weren't on the train tracks. No one died here. It was just some dumb fuck that we never even knew about. Yeah. And and we'll I'll, I'll get to more of my objections to that scene when we get there. But I, So if, if they wanted to do that shoe scene right, they needed to show Mika's close-up on her shoe first. Or not at all because I don't think I think the shoe thing just didn't work because there was no relation to anyone that Beth knew. Um, and there again, you could say, well, she didn't know that. But I'm that's the other thing. I'm getting kind of sick and tired of, of Walking Dead doing the Carol's dead. Nope, she's in the catacombs. Judith's dead. Nope, Tyrese has got her. Mika's shoes got chewed up. Nope, Mika survives. It's like uh, Glenn's dead in the bus. <laughs> no, Glenn's still in the prison. There's only so many times you can do that before any time. I already don't believe that you're going to jeopardize most of the main cast on a consistent basis. But when you do and then you jerk me around like that, it completely destroys the suspense. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, you seem to be ranting, so let's get into the part where you can really rant. Go for it. Uh, Next storyline, Tyrese, Judith, Lizzie, and Mika. Uh, They're walking around in the woods. They stop for the night, and Judith is just crying up a storm. Uh, she's hungry. They try to give her food. Um, not surprising that Judith is alive. We talked about this in the instant cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know it was probably surprising for people who don't follow like obsessively discussion boards pretty closely. Yeah. So maybe that works if you're not me in that instance. Um, but Lizzie gives Mika a knife, which I, I guess may come into play later in the series it certainly didn't this episode right well they're trying to set up like you know there's one girl who's built for survival in this world and there's one girl who's not and it's an open question of Mm -hmm. is the psychotic one built or is the relatively normal one built i i don't know it's not an interesting question to me right now um yeah uh they also hear walkers in the bush uh during this scene and then we go to the next day where they find some grapes. They stop to change Judith, who's crying uh, like a siren. Um, a flock of birds finds them, and Mika runs off into the woods. Right. Um, so this is the second time in two scenes where the bushes have shook, and they thought it was walkers. I think what they actually meant us to think here is that that is Carol tracking them, following hmm. them around. 
I mean, obviously she is. Because otherwise, Carol shows up out of fucking nowhere. Right. And that's not interesting. Um, well, she pretty much did f- a, th- a show out of uh, fucking nowhere. And also, the story she's telling us is a pack of heap li- big lies. Um, oh, sure. There, and, and, and I'm not just talking about the... I mean, I don't... What she's been doing in the last few days, or the last day... Um, how she got back to the prison, how she saw Tyrese and the girls, all that stuff's an open question, which I assume they'll get to later. So I'm not going to rant. There's a lot of people that are like, what the fuck about, you know, everything she said. But I just, my thing uh, is. I, I could believe all that. There's nothing to disprove that. Well, I mean, I think it's all bullshit, but I think it's the bullshit because she didn't want to, she didn't know what Tyrese knew. And, mm-hmm. you know, she just kind of wanted to get a feel of the situation and you know she was like saying stuff and then seeing what tyrese would say and then basing her story on that yeah i assuming in next next episode or two we'll get some more explanations about what what exactly she did after rick banished her okay because it'd be hilarious if it basically she managed to catch her car on fire within 24 hours of being banished and then just kind of went back to the prison and hung out hoping for someone to come outside the gate so she could be like, Rick's not being fair. He's a dick. You should let me back in. <laughs> or, or yeah. hey, has Lizzie killed anybody yet? You should let me back in so I could deal with that. Because <laughs> it's just a matter of time, people. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. That girl is crazy. I, tr- I tried to hide the other bodies and take the fall for her, but, you know... In retrospect, that wasn't such a hot idea since she's just going to kill again and again. Uh, yeah, it, Lizzie's actually I have an apology. acting a little weird in this scene, too. You have an apology? I have resolved from this point forward to never badmouth a child actor again. When when I was listening to Instant Cast, that's the one part that I was thought was cringeworthy is how mean I was to that little girl. And I really apologize sure. because one thing that stuck with me you know, I'm kind of I've become a fan of Will Wheaton. When I originally watched him Star Trek Next Generation, I thought he was the worst fucking thing in the <laughs> world. And Wesley Crusher was, by and large, the worst uh. fucking thing on the show. But it wasn't Will Wheaton's fault. Will Wheaton was a kid yeah. saying the lines that some fucking adult was putting in his mouth that didn't know what the hell they were doing. Didn't know how to write for a character, didn't come up didn't know how to come up with plausible situations for a character, didn't know what didn't know how to put makeup on a kid. Didn't know. I mean, they they he didn't pick those clothes. He didn't pick those lines. He didn't pick the stories. He just was trying to do the best he could and having fun on his really fucking awesome set. So I don't fault any of these girls for okay. what happens here. I fault the writers for I, – I, I fault the casting people. And I fault the writers for seeing what they're capable of delivering at their age and – writing material that's beyond them anyway. And I fault the director for being satisfied with that take. When they see stuff as written wasn't working, they should have gotten a powwow with the writers and figured something out. Some of this, I think, is, uh, if, if I if I recall correctly, the writers are in L.A. and the actors are in Georgia. So it could be a matter yeah. of they're just no communication. So if something's not written, uh, working as written, they're just fucked. And they can only reshoot certain things, and they got to be big things. They got to pick their battle. But I apologize yeah. for being that mean to that little girl. That was uncalled for, and I, ne- I, my resolve to never do it again on bald in, on bald move. Okay, 
Uh, that is that is a very fair thing to do. I was actually cringing a little bit when you said it on the podcast because I don't think those girls are, are as bad as you had said before. Well, speak up, you dick. You're sitting there making me look but, like an asshole. <laughs> but but on the second watch through, I actually thought they were slightly worse. They, dude, it's so. it's it's a problem. It okay. like like I, but I, it's not their problem, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. It's like if I okay. told my son to go rebuild the carburetor in my motorcycle and he fucked it up. <laughs> I can only uh-huh. be mad at myself because I he's not sure. old enough to do that. He wasn't trained properly, and I'm just an asshole if I let set him up to fail. And I think the uh, writers and directors in The Walking Dead are, are those kind of assholes. They kind of got away with it last week with Chandler Riggs because he's matured to the point that he can at least – hold his own and you know do an average job it it wasn't as powerful as it could have been but it wasn't just a a travesty this scene like if you're going to have a 12 year old girl murder bunny rabbits you have to play that material pretty fucking carefully to keep it from just being laughable or gross if you're gonna how about when she (laughs) no go ahead if you're gonna have a 12 year old girl smother a baby you have to you have to have like um you have to have Steven Spielberg directing um oh what's her name from ET ba- Drew Barrymore uh-huh. you have to have the best one of the best directors <laughs> in the world directing Dakota one of the Fanning. One, one, yeah or Dakota someone with some a child with unusual precocious range to pull that kind of material off if you don't mm-hmm. you should adapt it until it works because and and I don't want to get spoilery, but they don't have this problem in the comic book. And again, mm-hmm. I wonder, it's like if you've got these variables that you're juggling, why do you decide to change it up into a way that doesn't seem to favor, you know? And I, it's like I just, you know, sure. if, if you're one of the ones that emailed me and said, I thought this was a solid episode, I'm not going to really debate you. But you can't tell me that the performance that this, that, that, that this character put on the screen was good. I just, sure. I, I'm I, with I, you. I, I can't, uh, in, unless you've seen, unless you've, this is the only television show you watch on a regular basis, aside from like Jersey Shore and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and uh, MTV's <laughs> Real Real World Road Rules Challenge. This cannot be defined as good, compelling drama. This particular okay. scene. We're, we're done. We're done talking about this. We've You're spent cutting like 10 me off? Okay. Right. I'm cutting you off. You've said enough about this. Um, we need to move on. Uh, Tyrese goes uh, hears screaming in the woods, and he leaves Lizzie and Mika back to back to fend for themselves while he runs off to help these people. Can I spend ten minutes uh, on this? <laughs> we're going to spend at least two minutes on this okay. because this is by far idiot survivor of the week, without a doubt, goes to Therese, Tyrese this week because leaving those girls there is in no world a sane decision. No. It's it's an impossibility that he would make that decision. He takes them with him every time. Yes. He might tell them as he gets closer to the thing, hang back. Like, stay back like 50 feet. Do not let me out of your sight. But stay back so, yeah. you know. And if you see Walker, all that stuff. But no, leaving them there with that baby. Um, it makes who, me angry. It insults yes. my intelligence. And it this scene, more than any scene in the episode, pissed me off. Okay, well, good. I'll let you go. I'll let you take this one, Jim. (laughs) 
I've said about all I want to say on it. Uh, just, I mean, if you can't grasp the concept that leaving two girls back to back in the woods and running off to an unknown location towards an unknown situation is a good idea or is a bad idea, then you're crazy. I, I can't explain it to you. Yeah, and we've got uh, we've got a, a couple of really good listener takes on that that I don't want to step on their toes, and th- and they can you know give them a little legs to, to rant to, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a shame because the only reason they did that is so she could smother the baby. And Yes, that and Carol. And it makes Tyrese look like a fucking idiot, which I am very upset with because I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of the character and a huge fan of the actor portraying it. And, like, I, 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 if I ever get to meet Chad Coleman again, I'm going to ask him, did you debate at all when you're on the set about Tyrese really doing this? Is this the first uh-huh. time you've seen a baby? Is this the first time you've you've talked to a, 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 a 11-year-old girl? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? Because, yeah, it was no bueno, man. No. Nope. Uh, the one thing I did like about this scene is when Lizzie tells Mika to tuck her shirt behind her knife. She picked that up from Carol. Yep. It's something she learned for survival. It's very smart. Yep. Nope, that was great. So, good on Lizzie there. And there again, it's not that she's it's not that she can't deliver material when she's called for. It's just that more often than not, this uh, the writers put her in a position that's just impossible to win. She's the zombie loving, baby hating psycho killer that doesn't exist in any kind of real life. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Carol shows up while Tyrese is helping out these people that he's found. Um. And they kind of talk about, like, where were you? Uh, And she gives some bullshit excuses. And they walk down the tracks a ways after talking to this guy. And they find out, uh, they find a sign that says Terminus. And those who arrive, survive. Um, One thing I wrote, um, I found out in my research is, did you know that Atlanta uh, was originally going to be called Terminus, the city? Because it was the termination point of the first... um, uh, not transcontinental, but Eastern to, I guess, whatever was the border of the country at the time, railroad. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the termination point of the Atlantic City Railroad. That's what it was. So they called it Atlanta because Terminus sounds like a place you go and die. Um, Sure, yeah. If that's the the case, then could it be that the safe zone is actually back in Atlanta? And does that make any Mm. sense at all? From what we've seen I, of Atlanta. No, it doesn't really make any sense if if there's a safe zone in Atlanta. We saw that thing overrun big time. Okay, I just wondered because I know it was a historical artifact, but I, I can't see them going back to Atlanta. Sure. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to Sasha, Bob, and Maggie here. Um, Sasha's kind of patching up Bob after his, his gunshot wound. He's very, very happy to be alive. Sasha, eh, not so much. Doesn't really care for life at this point. Uh, Maggie decides she's going back for Glenn, and Sasha and Bob follow her. Uh, they do a nice little shot here of Maggie's ring, so we know, obviously, exactly what she's thinking mm-hmm. before she actually says it. Can we stop uh, her real quick? There. Why was sure. Bob so obnoxiously happy? I don't know. I Was it just because he's alive? He made it, it out? It seems like, because they, they, they made some some motions before the break that like he had his eyes on Sasha, and maybe she wasn't... Uh, totally unopposed to that but it just seems like it makes bob look like a giant dick 
because he's with <laughs> he's with a character who thinks that their brother might be dead, and another mm-hmm. character who thinks her father and husband are dead, and probably sister too, and he's mm-hmm. grinning like an idiot, like. Ooh, I'm 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 in the I'm in the fine I'm I'm with the uh, I'm in the fine women survivors group. What the fuck, man? Again, I don't know. I like Bob as a character. Uh, mm-hmm. God love is a post apocalyptic alcohol alcoholic soul, and I really love the actor. And I hate that they're making them look like an idiot. Yeah, it's especially weird coming off of where he was last half season where. He was suicidal. I mean, I get that you're happy I, to be alive, but show some sensitivity. Like, if he was 17 years old, I would buy that reaction. Him being a grown-ass man, I, 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 it makes the character look foolish. And that's why I – one of the reasons I'm upset with this episode. Okay. Uh, well, they go back to find the bus, and they find it stopped along the road. It's full of walkers. They decide we're going to let them out one by one and kill them. And then Maggie goes inside and kills Glenn's stunt double. Yep. Uh, even if the preview hasn't ruined this scene for you already, I still don't think it works. I don't think that you go into that bus, you see her kill somebody who from the back looks kind of like Glenn, and then they cut to commercial without ever showing Glenn. Yeah, no, I, you're right. I don't buy that. You're right. It was set to fail multiple and on multiple levels. Uh, Maggie, uh, Lori Cohen puts on a great performance here. I yeah. really believed it. Indeed. Uh, but I, I just knew what was going, what was up, and I was not impressed at all with that scene. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to say it any better, man, because it just seems like there's at least three different ways you could – like a real survivor in that circumstance, I don't think their idea would be like, uh, let's open up the door one by one and let the walkers come out. You know, it's like couldn't you, like, mm-hmm. try looking through the, I don't know, windows of the bus? Um Eh, maybe, yeah. And then, you know, the whole way that that is staged where um, – because I was reading on the internet trying to find out, like, how in that did that happen? And people are like, well, people took – in the back of the bus took rounds. They turned. Yeah. And they overpowered. But, like, I, I see so much of that bullshit with zombie people. It's like, how does an army base get overrun? Well, Lieutenant Dumbfuck gets bit, and they take him back behind enemy lines. And then he arises, and he bites two other guys, and then zombies everywhere. That's like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. That seems pretty fucking stupid, but <laughs> I'll buy it because nobody knows what zombies are, and it's the outbreak, and there's chaos. We're talking yeah. one and a half to two years after the zombie apocalypse. You got a you got one guy, two guys, three guys maybe to get bitten. Let's say they turn instantaneously, and there's 20 other people in that bus. The, mm. Really, the whole bus is going to get bit and slaughtered? Really? I know, really? man. I'm... I'm with you. It's really dumb, but it is, like you said, built into the zombie. But it's horseshit because like, we don't usually get. I agree. We don't usually get into a zombie apocalypse that lasts as long. Usually, we see the fall of man and like yeah, the immediate yeah. aftermath. They got to come up with better tropes, man. And they got to. They uh, to me, they they have to. Uh, like if the if the bus had slammed into a tree because they postulated that mm-hmm. the driver got got turned. If they, it flipped over down a ditch because it left control or, like, fugitive style, I believe that. But you can't just fucking have a vehicle pulled in the middle of the road at a stop and it's packed full of walkers and not have me go, what the fuck? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. It seems like Walking Dead has an opportunity to evolve the zombie genre a little bit, and I know that they try to do that by you know introducing some character development and real emotional stakes in these episodes. Um, I don't know that they've entirely accomplished their mission there, but they could also be pushing forward what a zombie is and what zombies can do and things like that because they have now the spotlight. They are zombies mm-hmm. as far as pop culture is concerned. Mm-hmm. So why not follow in Romero's lead and say, okay, here are the things that zombies can now do. Sure. Might be, that might be interesting. And also just uh, have the, they haven't addressed and that. the survivors should grow in it. Like, you know, we talked about last, last year or there are these people are in a prison and they sleep with the doors wide open, even though you live in a world that at any time, <laughs> yeah. like maybe you sleep with your lover or your children, but the whole prison block, it seems hard to believe just like it's hard to believe that these survivors who have gone through this exact same catastrophe where their numbers are, are cast to the wind wouldn't have a designated meetup area. Like, sure. um, again, what goes on in that writing room, man? There's like 12 reasonably smart people. They can get dressed and put food in their mouth every day. Uh, why doesn't <laughs> someone see say, uh, Wait, wait, wait. That's all it takes to be a writer? I'm going to sign up, man. <laughs> I'm just saying they're probably even smarter than that. They could probably yes. coordinate their clothing so they don't look like idiots and, you know, um, they, they can they can master a word processor. It seems like that that's something that they would think about. And it makes me think that either they're really, really stupider than I think, and I've read enough from them that I know that's not the case, or they don't care, or there's some external thing like arbitrary time limits or budgets that are forcing their hand, which I just yeah, checked. No. 15 fucking million people watched last night's episode. Wow. We got Hyundai pulling in all kinds of fucking money. Microsoft's throwing money their way. Like, I'm not talking like just advertise. I'm talking about Walking Dead specific ads. That's mm-hmm. like big time money rolling in. You know, that's like NFL money rolling in. And we have to put up with this shit? Like, I, I got a challenge of people that think that, like, why are we being so hard? Why aren't you guys being demanding more from this show? They're yeah, about to it's... spin off another show and further dilute this content, <laughs> and you're okay with that? Then, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. shit, there's all kinds of amateur zombie shit on YouTube. Have a ball. I just I just don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people are satisfied that this show looks good and has a lot of cool action, and that's fine. I mean, but I can get that in many, many other places. That's not what I was hoping for out of this show. Well, the other thing is, like, looks good is debatable because I think looks looking good from a special effects, uh, this show's a little, I, I think, has maybe peaked and regressed in some areas with the because now they've discovered they can it's, do digital blood and digital gore, and it's yeah. not quite working for me. But also, there's very little art in the way some of these shots are constructed. And that's part I of... You can't put it in everything. I, I'm not talking about, like, you know, Shane gazing at the the lone walker in the field and that being evocative. I'm talking about just the nuts and bolts of editing and shot construction and the way you assemble a scene and the way you block it. And this – I was going to comment this on a later point, but I thought this episode was surprisingly ugly and unartful mm-hmm. in that in that regard. Yeah. You know a show that uh, actually does that? really freaking well and it's not even close to the same genre is archer (laughs) Uh, archer has like a lot of those connecting shots and a lot of uh lines that lead you from one scene to another oh yeah that's 
really cool. It's really tightly plotted. The other one, the other show that's absolutely crushing it, and this is another reason why maybe I'm a little crankier than normal, is True Detective. Yeah. Is, uh, you can say, you can say what you will about the plot. If you don't like it, you're not feeling it. But that fucking show is art laid on top of art laid on top of art. And I was blinking back tears that I was watching The Walking Dead live when I could be watching True Detective live, you know? Yep, that's our life, man. That's yep. our lives. Well, it's our bed. We've made it. I'm going to lay in <laughs> All it. All right. Uh, speaking of beds, Glenn is knocked out uh, during the prison scene uh, from last season, and he wakes up on the second story of the prison, surrounded by walkers on the bottom, and he makes his way back into the cell. He picks up some ammo picks up some supplies, a picture of Maggie, which he, you know, stops and takes a look at for a moment just to let us know what his idea is or where he's headed. And again, Steve Young uh, was given good material and knocked it out of the park. Excellent performance. Yeah, Yeah, really hit this scene well. Uh, He picks up some armor, too, which is freaking awesome. I love seeing that. Uh, I'm a little skeptical if he could have done the thing he did next, which is run out through all of these walkers. Yeah, but... Seppenwall called this uh, Bat Glenn Begins or Batman. <laughs> or, yeah, okay. Because you know when he get when he because I I I wasn't really engaged with the episode, but when he drug out the armor, I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. he's gonna bum rush these zombies. Sure, and it, it reminded me of uh, 28 Days Later, where the, you know the big dude has the armor and he's a super badass in that thing, but. Uh, Glenn's a little small for my taste. Like as far as like badasses in armor go, we'll see. You know, it, it the thing is, is there again? Did they really have to have him running through forty zombies? Eh, not really. Like it'd have been really cool to see him like bouncing off pinball stuff from a and, and just as believable. Um, but you know, there, I like the scene because yeah. it was Glenn being badass, and I'm willing to for you know forgive. I'm just willing to accept that he went into Marshawn Lynch yeah, mode yeah. and powered through those guys. But I can understand certainly the the many emails I got calling bullshit on that. And again, it's like uh, I would have thought it was just as cool if there was half as many walkers bunched together twice as loose. Sure. And it, nobody would have been unsatisfied with that scene. Yeah, it was it was fine. I, I don't really totally discredit it for that, so. Uh, yep. Then he sees Tara sitting next to the tank, totally unnoticed by walkers, and he goes back for her. <laughs> um, he kind of gives her a pep talk, gets her off her butt, and they rush out the prison gates. Now, why do you think Glenn goes back for her? Just because he feels bad? Because he goes up to her and he, he looks at her gun and he he says, you didn't even fire a shot. Uh, is that him? I think that's part is that of him it. deciding, okay, well, she didn't fight against us, so I'm going to take her with me? I think that's part of it. But I also think that that's Glenn's character. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, the way he sees and values values life. Yeah. It's one of his better better features. I mean, he didn't – he stuck his neck out to help Rick when he didn't have to, which is how we're uh, on this, this show four seasons later. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. Okay, uh, so then they're walking down the road, and Tara is kind of lamenting the fact that she trusted the governor, and she mentions that he killed an old man, which uh, Glenn asks, hey, was that Herschel? And she confirms, yeah, yeah, Herschel's dead. Uh, pretty devastating to Glenn. That's um, that's rough, because he respected this guy a lot. Sure. Father-in-law. 
Did they yeah. actually get married? Uh, I don't know if they had a ceremony or anything. I know he put the ring on her finger, and I think symbolically they certainly feel married. Zombie zombie apocalypse married? Yeah, why not? I mean, if you're going to do some sloppy bullshit episodes, one easy way to do that would be to have a, a, a Glenn and Maggie wedding episode. And I, I would actually, I would actually give a lot of leeway <laughs> to see something like that. Oh, you think so? Just yeah. like an entire episode where they're just like, yeah, like the whole thing is a wedding. Yeah, like, a twilight like, like scene. Daryl's gotten a bunch of white duct tape, <laughs> and Bichon's made her a duct tape dress, and uh, <laughs> someone's found Glenn a tuxedo T-shirt. And that would be terrible, man. That would be <laughs> terrible. I, but I'm saying it's the kind of terrible I could get behind. <laughs> It's the kind of schlocky stuff that would put a smile on my face. If they're going to, okay, yeah. if they're going to do stupid shit, then do stupid shit that makes me happy. You can get okay. back. You can get back to the random people sobbing and and babies being killed and chunks being ripped out of people's deltoids and trapezius next week. But give give me a, you know, give me a very special episode of Walking Dead where these two fuckers get married. That's all I'm asking. All right, that might happen. They're not dead yet, so. <laughs> But they're already Maybe they're already together. proper zombie married apparently, so it's too late. Next yeah, time, I don't know when Carl when Carl and Beth five years from now on season <laughs> eleven of The Walking Dead uh, get married. You better fucking remember this, Gimple. We want to see yep. a big wedding. <laughs> so we we might be the wrong word there. Uh, so <laughs> then a walker nearly gets Glenn and Tara saves him, uh, and then three people sneak up on them in a massive truck. Uh, I gotta say, yes, yes. That's what people are like. Why <laughs> did you mention? Why did you mention Abraham? And and I'm like, okay, they perfectly staged a cover of The Walking Dead, but they did it with a stealth two and a half ton fucking diesel military <laughs> truck. Uh-huh. Like, come the fuck on. Yeah, that's not cool. That's just stupid. Now, if, if Abraham had come in there like, like rammed over to zombies and come out shooting and stuff, that would have been cool. Sure. Been, and then and then they popped the Charlie's Angel pose at the end with <laughs> Mullet Man and Hot Girl and Chub and, and and Tubby Abraham. I'd have been like, fuck yeah, I'm ready for next episode. But you can't just impress me by assembling three people that vaguely look like their characters into a comic book pose. Yeah, yeah. That's Aaron um, soul a wedding. Sure, you can stage a wedding. That buys my loyalty. Comic book cover, not enough. <laughs> yeah, this this show sometimes almost feels like like it's being made as a comic book because they don't know how to connect these single shots together, right? Like, how okay, how are we going to get from the shot where we see the walker behind Beth to the shot where it's biting on her neck? Well, mm. I don't know. We're just going to have it walk up behind her, I guess. Uh, how do we get to the shot from where... The truck rolls down the street to where they're standing outside the truck, and they're surprised by it. Oh, I don't know. Just uh, put them out there. Maybe the problem is Chuck Adler is the one doing the storyboarding because his art for The Walking Dead is sometimes suspect, and I have the same problem. Like, what? What the fuck just happened there? Huh. Someone's someone's foot punched someone's in the face, but then <laughs> then then no what you know yeah hmm. that the person's shoulder can't bend that way maybe that's the problem <laughs> they're letting him do all the storyboards could be could be um, zombie kill of the week goes to Tara for smashing this zombie's head in with the butt of the rifle that was an impressive kill 
the kill yeah. the kill itself not so much the gore factor was just off the charts but there was three almost identical uh kills uh, that, uh, just like that like uh I would have given it to um, Maggie with the school bus. I was thinking that one too, yeah. But there wasn't so like, much gore there. Really? And yeah. then uh, Daryl with the rifle butt or crossbow butt or whatever. Uh, which mean, one was that? This is uh, it's where he pulped one of the dude's skulls. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe... Tara gets it. I'm giving it to Tara okay. because uh, she may not this be around long. Thing. And, and uh, who knows if she'll get another shot at it. All right. Fair enough. It's your deal. Maggie's going to be around forever. She'll get plenty more awards. <laughs> uh, oh, I hate to tell you. you, should, you I, clearly, I haven't seen a spoiler, my spoiler notes for next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for the recap, man. Uh, let's get to some pimping and then some feedback. Uh, of course, we are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com. Uh, please do check out our House of Cards coverage if you're into that kind of thing, if you're a next net Netflix subscriber. Uh, also, don't forget about our affiliates, Personal Arrogance Crew. Uh, big highlight this week to talk about the Lego movie, which is fan fucking tastic. It's yeah, I think the I'm most go fun I've that. had. Most fun I've had with uh, uh, at a movie theater in probably a year, a couple of years. And I had a seven year old son who's insane about Legos, and we came home and dumped our Legos in the middle of his room and played for hours. It's a guaranteed hit if you got kids, and if you don't, even better. Uh, also, the Because Show, um, they talk about uh, modern love, the philosophy of Gwyneth Paltrow, and the art of saying thanks but no thanks. Uh, check them out. Don't forget uh, Tom and Kelly holding things down up yours downstairs. They're in the prime of up yours downstairs life because they're right in the middle of a new season of uh, Downton Abbey. And I love their podcast, huge fans, which is why they're they're podcasting with us. Uh, we always appreciate ratings, reviews, and iTunes. I know we're getting a lot of one stars this week. <laughs> I can just tell from the tenor of our email, but uh, whatever, man. Uh, if you care enough to rate and review us, you're okay by my book. If you want to actually support us, put some uh, filthy, filthy De Niro, Robert De Niro, <laughs> into our palms. Yeah, the one you right can... after a fight and raging bull. Yeah. Disgusting De Niro. Swollen eye, split <laughs> lip. Uh, do that at amazon.baldmove.com. Uh, it's so simple. You, you shop on Amazon anyway. Uh, you go there, you use that code, amazon.baldmove.com, and we get a tiny cut of everything you buy, and it costs you nothing. It just costs Jeff Bezos, and people are just giving him money hand over fist. He's got enough to give the bald move. Sure. That's all I got for our pimping, and it's time for feedback. Uh, Tyler JP said, uh, gives a review, said, uh, Daryl and Beth section was okay. I liked it. Uh, someone is act- something's actually getting to Daryl mentally. I like Beth's opening monologue, and I guess that's because she just wasn't singing. Thank the Lord. She's got a sweet voice. Mm-hmm. She's actually semi-professional a singer as well. Uh, but yeah, I can, I, I, I can feel you on that. I'm not sure about how I feel about Daryl as a whole, though. Sure, he's quote unquote badass, but it doesn't mean a whole lot to me anymore. I'm probably in the minority when I say this, but I can't help but feel the writers are writing him as a superhero that can do no wrong. Really, think back. When's the last time he made a real mistake that had serious consequences on the group? Has his actions ever indirectly got someone killed? When is the last time he really messed up? He seems to be almost always written to be in the right. I just want him to be human, and humans make mistakes, and yet this doesn't appear to apply to the crossbow-wielding Dixon. It feels like the writers and ultimately AMC are so hell-bent on making him quote-unquote likable that it's dulling his character as a result. 
As soon as I saw that walker creeping on Beth, it's painfully obvious that Daryl would come to the rescue. When Rick confronted him about Carol, it was obvious he wouldn't physically lash out on Rick, but instead play the good guy and appeal to both sides. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, uh, I almost called you Rick. What do you think about that, Jim? <laughs> uh, I So I kind of agree with him because Daryl was a much more interesting character when Merle was still around in season three, uh, and he had some inner demons to work through. And we saw yes. that he he was in fact a human, and he had emotions. Um, now I feel like he is becoming more of a superhero, and they need to do something to change that. And maybe that's some sort of connection that he's going to develop with Beth over the next few episodes. That might be interesting. And then kill her. <laughs> no, why would he kill her? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying no, dumbass. I'm not saying oh, then the writers ki- kill her. Okay. Yes, and 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 if Tyler has his way, he'll be directly responsible for it. Sure. Sure. I don't know that Daryl can. I don't know that Daryl could survive. Honestly, he's got so mm. much shame and self-loathing that if he was responsible for one of the survivors' deaths, I don't think it's uh, uh, Jesus. It would be really interesting to see what would happen to him after that. Yeah, I do agree with this take pretty much, though. Fracken T says, "I don't have a defense, feeble or otherwise. I was pretty pugilistic in that instant cast. I apologize. Oh yeah, uh, for being a dick. If I if, uh, but that's kind of what happens sometimes." Uh, but anyway, for the episode as a whole, but Maggie was awesome. Set aside for a minute how stupid the one-at-a-time plan was and how she should have come up with something smarter. Every bit of Lauren Cohen's performance felt real, felt real and engaging, and she looked badass taking on all those walkers while Sasha and Bob Angelo uh, fell over or something, I guess. I call bullshit on the camera trickery they employed to create the tension over whether Gim- Glenn was alive, but she sold it hard, and I believed her. High praise for Lauren Cohen. I think she she did the very best she could with sketchy material. Yeah, she's one of the most deserving actresses on this show. Complete, or actors, for that matter. And completely undermined by AMC's marketing department as well. <laughs> yes, thoroughly. I would say more on that, but we have an awesome take on that later. Uh, professional podcast critic Daniel WB, uh, been with us since the beginning, says, I fast-forwarded through the previews, and guess what? The episode still sucked. People keep making moronic survival decisions right down to our favorite woodsman, Daryl, building a campsite in the middle of the forest. How about you climb a tree or find a field? What's wrong with looking through the damn windows to see if Glenn is on the bus? Let's leave two eight-year-olds alone in the woods with a rapidly maturing but crying infant. Glenn's NFL career is going to be short and sweet if he doesn't learn to run out of bounds once in a while. (laughs) Good take. Have you seen the Mythbusters uh, Walking Dead episode? I haven't, no. Uh, it's got Michael Rooker on it, which is always awesome. And they actually nice. did a thing where uh, they saw if you could r- sprint through a field full of zombies. And they tried it at several different population densities. One is like your average suburban town. And they ramped it up to the uh, po- population density of New York City. And then they did one, cool. I think, for what the most populous uh, city in the world. And I, it was either in Brazil or China. But it turns out, uh, even at those densities, it's somewhat easy, at least 50-50, of being able to sprint through if you're in, in pretty good cardio condition. And uh, sure. I thought that would have been more interesting than just him running through the pile, but whatever. Uh, Lumberjack Nick says, love the show, but what the heck, guys? You got your asses on backwards. This episode was great, and Glenn bulldozing his way through that swarm of zombies was one of the most jump-in-the-shark moments the show's ever had. Tiny man against a weight of 30-plus zombies? I don't think so. <laughs> Buster balls, man. He buster balls. But I 
the rule of cool will allow me to forgive a lot. And sure. Maybe that's my argument with the audience is that they think things are a lot cooler than I do. So if so, I can see where you're coming from. Jonathan from the Hamptons in Virginia says this, or from Hampton, Virginia. I think it's very different from the Hamptons. <laughs> I, uh, yes, very. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. <laughs> this is my first time writing in because I had to let you know how much I disagree with both your assessments of the episode's inmates. Both of you are pretty negative on your overall feeling on the episode, and that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, assholes. And yet I couldn't <laughs> believe that you were trashing this episode like it was one of the worst The Walking Dead's ever produced. When I felt like it was a very strong episode, start to finish with some imperfections along the way. Number one, or uh, was this episode really one of the worst? You guys ragged on this episode more than some of those awful governor rehabilitation episodes from the first half. Um, kind of already talked about Did that. We? Did we really? I mean, if if I remember correctly, I just shit all over the governor. Oh, we. I, I'd have to go to the tape, but I feel like I never said that that was as bad as any of those. Um, or as bad as some of the farm episodes, but uh, yeah, I still I, I I think it's top ten worst, definitely. It might be eight, nine, or ten, but it's it's in there. The girl who plays Lizzie is pretty bad in scenes with the other girl Mika, but I think she's a believable kid psycho. Okay, um, that's 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 also the. I mean, I guess that's an opinion one could have. I was pumped about this episode for so much more than I was disappointed. Beth and Daryl had really good scenes. Uh, Carol's return was handled nicely. I actually thought Lauren Cohen did a great job acting this episode along with Steven Yun. Plus you didn't even mention Abraham's interest in the instant cast or you mentioned it once and I missed it. Well, the thing is, is no, we didn't mention it because uh, first of all, I don't like that we're calling it Abraham because you, you only know that if you've seen the, the preview for next week. Yeah. But if, so. if you consider a character's name to be a spoiler, I don't know what to do about you, man. His name's uh, sure. His name's I can Abraham, see that point of view as well. And he is a. I just don't like to talk about anything that hasn't happened on the show. Okay, but he did show up, and his name is Abraham. So take that. He did, but we don't know his name. <laughs> I I have no knowledge of this Abraham character. <laughs> you don't because you stopped reading at the prison. That's um, very true. You know, here's the thing. Um, we actually talked about this after the cast because you, we got a lot of bald move janit I call it janitorial work where I'm actually writing up the news posts and I'm exporting my audio and Jim's editing and we're still kind of talking. And we, if anything, took it easy because our immediate reaction was pure bile. And he asked me why I didn't mention that. And I said, dude, if I had to go off on a fucking rant about how he, that guy can pull up in a deuce and a half and surprise two people <laughs> i i just don't know that it, it would it would just go i'd take go to dark places so i intentionally didn't talk about it because i couldn't talk about it without saying how what bullshit i thought his entrance was mm -hmm. so i mean ugh. um moving on to tyler shumway who's trying to take the title of uh, bald moose po uh uh poet laureate uh from Tom G. from Volkswagen. Uh, he says, I had faith in the Gimple, but the Gimple let me down. I was ready to applaud, but the Gimple made me frown. It's not the Gimple's fault, I said. It's Kirkman or AMC. Mazera screwed up. The Gimple over, but now the Gimple's free. Oh, no. Mazera screwed the Gimple over, but now the Gimple's free. So many inconsistencies and children who can't act. The writings improve slightly, but they should all still just be sacked. The show has great potential. The solution seems so simple. Let the Villigan take control and let the Walkers take the Gimple. 
Bravo. Well done. Bravo. Well done, I'm throwing sir. a virtual rose bouquet at you, Tyler. <laughs> well done. Josh P. said, I've got to give it to whomever wrote the inmates. They hit for the Walking Dead trope, or they went for the Walking Dead trope cycle. A major character appeals, appears out of nowhere just at the right time. Stealth zombies, invisible zombies, or zombies who are seemingly ignored by survivors. Procrastinating zombies, when a zombie takes its time to try to eat a regular cast member. And finally, camping in the woods. I don't buy that you can't find a house to crash in for the night. However, I will suspend my belief there, but you just can't help but wonder, if you can't find a secure structure to rest in, why wouldn't you just Katniss Everdeen it up and tie yourself up in a tree? I mean, seriously, anywhere is safer than on the ground with a fire. That said, I enjoyed it. Well, there you go. There you go, man. Uh, You can articulate all the problems in episode and still be entertained. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know that the tree thing works with Beth. I'm... I'm sure Daryl could do it, but uh, Beth probably doesn't have much practice sleeping in trees. That's why you tie yourself in, Katniss Everdeen. Have you not seen The Hunger Games, Jim? Yeah, no, I, I've seen okay. it. I've seen it, and I know what you're talking about, but you're going to tie yourself into a tree, really? That's something people do in movies. It's something my fat ass would do in a zombie apocalypse. It wouldn't be easy, but I'm not sleeping <laughs> on the ground in the woods with a campfire roar- roaring. Promise you right, that. Fair Promise enough. you that. Yeah. Julie W. says, hello, Mika. Uh, wait a second. I'm sorry. This is a poor edit by me. Uh, hello, Mika is a psycho that just reaches out and scratches the crap out of Tyrese injury. Who does that? That's a good point. That's another thing that, like, no, nah, that's something a kid would do, right? They don't know any better. Shoot. Did you? S- She's scared out of her mind. She's reaching for the closest thing. She grabs Tyrese's arm, right? Uh, I don't know. I thought that the way that scene was assembled, it was just really weird. She just, like, looks at his arm, says, oh, there's an injury, and grabs yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I saw a Facebook post today from Jesse from Personal Arrogance, and he was saying how he comes home, he's sick, he's tired, he's sleep-deprived, he walks in the door, and his daughter is jumping up and down on his brand-new keyboard. Why? Why? There's no reason. First for that. of all, his daughter is two fucking years old. <laughs> okay, sure. And two, I don't think Mika's much smarter than a two year old at this well, point. Okay, <laughs> uh, then I can still bitch about it being stupid. Uh, Julie W says, uh, "Oh yeah, we're still on her Tyrese injury provocation." Uh, she's also said, "Not only is a baby, this is great. Not only is a baby a liability in the sense that they make noise. Imagine how your energy is being depleted because you're forced to carry a forty pound bowling ball with you wherever you run." You cannot leave the stupid bowling ball behind to lighten your load. You cannot just put the bowling ball down and go to the other room and clear it. Your arms are now exhausted and unavailable to use because you must hold the bowl- <laughs> bowling ball at all times. You're useless to everyone else around you when you cannot help fight off walkers because you can't let go of the bowling ball. The bowling ball wants to eat all your food, which you need for energy because you're constantly holding the bowling ball. <laughs> Worst part is you cannot even utilize said bowling ball to fight off walkers because it is delicious. Completely useless bowling ball baby. <laughs> bowling ball baby bait that's what i say <laughs> uh i would there's two things i i would forgive all the show sins if number one they put on youtube extras of tyrese fighting zombies with the stunt baby <laughs> judith dolls <laughs> swinging it around bashing zombies with yeah it. yeah reenact a hammer versus 100 zombies scene with that with that prosthetic <laughs> baby number two number two is when Glenn walked into the cage with fist bump, if she'd have said, aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? Nice. All sins would have been forgiven. Yeah, that would have been awesome. 
Kenneth Fagan says, "Hey guys, Ken from Seattle here. I was wondering if you guys thought of our the or what you guys thought of the music in this episode. It may be a minor thing in relation to all the crazy shit that's going on. I've always thought Barry McCreary does an excellent job with the music, and this episode is no exception. Music in the scenes where Beth and Daryl are walking away from the train tracks, and when Glenn and Tara run away from the prison, just fits so well. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I'm with him. I mean, Barry McCreary has always been one of my favorites, and he, I, I feel like." He knocks it out of the park basically every time. I don't know if he was doing it in season one because I think the music for season one sucked donkey dick. Hmm. It was really, uh, really let down a lot of the heavy emotional moments in, in in The Walking Dead. It was like this generic guitar acoustic, you know, bullshit. But since then, we've talked a lot about how, uh, you know, they use these throbbing industrial beats and they, they, they have really creepy unsettling music and mm-hmm. they, they do a good job setting the mood. So yeah, I'd, I'd get behind that uh, season two through four. Anyway, I did come up with a solution for the bowling ball problem. You drill three holes in its head. <laughs> no, you leave it behind with two small children. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's that option. Yeah. This plan plan uh, E. Uh, Sarah from Ottawa Beyond the Wall says, I agree with most of your instant take on episode 10, but can, but most part ways with you and Lizzie's arc. I'm nervous to doubt myself, but here goes. It's actually a pretty strong take. I, I don't agree with the execution of it, but I like her take on it. First, let's get some of this to the sisters and actresses name straight. Lizzie Samuels, AKA Lanky Lizzie or Lizzie Borden, the oldest of the two sisters, Lanky, newly tough, a suspected and now demonstrated sociopath. Uh, played by Brighton Charbino, Bino, age 11. Other credits for Charbino include Friday Night Lights, NCIS, and True Detective, which blew my fucking mind. Uh, she was one of Woody uh, Harrelson's kids on that. And how is she? Well, first of all, she's they they don't act her. They, let's just put it this way: they don't really ask her to do much that would be outside of her uh, wheelhouse. So the fact that I didn't even notice it was the same girl speaks volumes. Um, Mika Samuels, a.k.a. Mika with the Cheeks. The younger sister gets scared as Chipmunk Cheeks, played by Kyla Kennedy, also age 11. Blew my fucking mind. Other screen credits include The New Normal and CSI. I agree that Kyla Kennedy, playing Mika, is not that great of a child actor. In contrast, I like Brighton Charbino's performance. Lizzie creeps me out, scares me, and frustrates me, but I find her consistently watchable and completely unpredictable. I give credit to Charbino as an actress for evoking this reaction to me. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm butchering her last name. It could be Charbino, Charbino, Charbino. I have no idea. Um, what draws me to Lizzie and her arc? I think it has to do with the little explored theme of girls and violence. It's already been noticed, noted by this podcast by listener Deb some time back. The girls have not fared well on mm-hmm. The Walking Dead, starting with the teddy bear girl in the pilot. We've seen Sophia, Penny, and Megan all bite the dust. Things don't look good for Judith. This might reflect our society's particular horror of violence perpetuated on girls and young women. Nothing is more headline-grabbing than stories of kidnapped, abused, or murdered girls. Yet, society is also fascinated and repulsed by females who commit acts of violence. Look at the horrified fixation around Casey Anthony and Amanda Knox trials. In Canada, Mm -hmm. there's been a few haunting stories about girl bullying in recent years. One involved the brutal gang member of a teenage girl who was beaten into a coma and left to drown under a bridge by her female classmates. Here in Ottawa, three 17-year-old girls are currently being tried for having forced another teenage girl into prostitution. 
Like most people, I'm stupefied by these acts, not least because they're being committed by the quote-unquote fairer sex. I guess I'm drawn to the Lizzie art because, like it or not, girls and women are capable of being violent and or sick in the head. I don't imagine this arc will provide big answers about why some girls turn out this way, but it's interesting and unfortunately topical theme. An argument could be made that the Walking Dead writers are brave for addressing it. It's interesting. Yeah, I remember that email that we got from Deb way back, mm-hmm. um, and we went pretty in-depth uh, as far as that goes there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I is he saying that this improves her performance in his mind? It's her mind. That she, that it's Sarah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't catch the name. Um, okay. uh, I I think she I think she just genuinely enjoys the performance, and she thinks the inf- the information is topical. I think, and I, I hope I didn't set, lead people to believe otherwise. I think the concept is interesting, um, mm-hmm. and I think like the concept of even smothering a baby is interesting and compelling. I just think that Mm -hmm. it's the kind of material that you have to really walk a fine line with. And I don't think anybody involved in this is up to it from what I can tell. Yeah. Uh, I I don't, I don't know if that's what they're trying to address violence with these little girls. Um, But maybe if we're lucky, we'll see a little bit more uh, as far as that goes in those kind of themes. Hope I remember. I'm going to make a note to talk about something in the spoiler section. It's, it's a mild comic spoiler, but you got me fucking crazy with this uh, people's names considered spoilers <laughs> business. Uh, Jeff, uh, oh, what? As, what? As far as as far as the music for season one, yes, it was Bear McCreary. Oh wow, well, the bear shit in the woods on that one. Uh, <laughs> maybe the writing strike uh, left him, uh, or the shortened season didn't give him enough time to work on it. Uh, Jeffrey says, last night's baby smothering showed me that there are lines, and if you're going to cross them, you best come correct. This episode did not. This is one of the emails where I would have made this point, but I think he made it better than me and wanted to give the listeners some room to vent. Everything about this plot point was cheap. Why Cuddy, who had tenaciously defended all three girls, would leave Judith in the care of these two is unexplainable, except that the show wanted to get to the baby smothering. Then it lingered on the horror of that act as the show ham-handedly makes its points that babies are zombie bait and that Ferret Girl is a psycho, all intensified by our hatred of these girls both as characters and as real-life people for their shitty, shitting acting. And then Jeffrey did not make the pledge not to bag on child actors. That was me. That was me. Um <laughs> Okay. Then it gets even worse by the sudden appearance of Carol. Did she intervene to save the baby's life? Was it happenstance? Who cares, the show says. Never mind that the baby would have been dead or brain damaged five times over. The show has always tried to pretend it's a realistic-ish human drama driven by cataclysmic events. But now The Walking Dead is just well-dressed but poorly acted exploitation schlock. Happy to concede basic human principles when it th- it can't think of anything better to do. And that's why it doesn't deserve to play with the tools it decided to take down off the top rack. Jeffrey, who might be particularly inflamed because he has a two-year-old daughter named Judith. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I so agree with his final thoughts there. It's like when you see a show that is... Uh, a kind of a lighthearted comedy or adventure a romp and they take on something like you know like like if the simpsons tried to make a serious point about torture um it's just so <laughs> okay. out of left field that it's I, I i often talk about whether a show has earned a moment has the walking dead mm-hmm. earned the right to smother a baby you know it it 
it, mm, it it's 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 no. like he's I like his point is like he they're taking the big boy toys off the top shelf and they're playing it with no no real emotional awareness and just because they're running out of things to shock the the viewer with um because god it it's that too hard to case. come up with compelling characters and putting them in mortal danger um you know that we'd actually care about uh so hey let's just smother a baby and that is one of the things that really I think Jeffrey did a good job of articulating and several I had at least five emails making the same point. Jeffrey had the virtue of being the first one to send it and had a really good take. So he got the credit, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's also interesting though, coming off of what was not a perfect episode last week, but a much better episode and a, with a lot more character development and some really good emotional arcs in there. I don't know why they couldn't carry some of that. Well, forward. but there again, the Walking Dead has absolutely earned the right to plumb the depths of a relationship between father and son, including things that are very uncomfortable. Because they've sure, and certainly they've earned some sort of emotion out of Michelle. Well. Yes, so that like you know the me I say the word wheelhouse that's well within their wheelhouse. Um, yeah. But you know, imagine if they had pulled the, they if they had tried that. Uh, in season one, with us knowing nothing about <laughs> Carl yeah. or Rick or have their relationship and the things that went on between them and his mom and shit. I mean, it would have felt just like they're just trying to get us worked up. And that's sure. that's that's a problem here. Rachel from Hawaii said, uh, wants to make a couple of predictions. Number one, Daryl and Beth both die from Lyme disease after laying down in that tick bed uh, forest in the cold open. I I believe that. Uh, also, Bob's be- re- booze uh, comes to the rescue for Glenn. Perhaps his alcoholism is a surprise twist plot thread, and the rest of the season will show the hilariously excellent benefits of allowing a loose cannon to stay in the group. The show could use a little humor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, what if what if what if Bob was played like Tom Hanks' drunk uncle from Family Ties? Ah, uh, dude, that would be interesting. Family Ties. What you're too you're too young for family yeah, ties? I'm a little too young. Full house, you hit oh. me with the reference for full house, I'm good, but Okay. Okay. Well maybe he'll be Kimmy Gibbler. Uh <laughs> Dylan Sing Sing uh, Dylan S said, I thought it was clever how all the scenes started or ended with the do not pick up hitchhikers, they may be escaping inmate sign. Uh true. That was a nice little flourish. I have a question for Aaron last cast. You said that Chandler Riggs wasn't a good enough actor for to do what is required, but you also said he was too old to do what is asked. So you want a young child actor that has the same acting chops as Andrew Lincoln or Norman Reedus? <laughs> That's a tall order. It is, but they well, exist. Well, go fuck your no. Um, let's see. I think that if you if I allow if I allow myself to articulate myself, that it might not be that big of a contradiction. What I'm saying is, if you had a actor of Chandler Riggs levels or even slightly below, you could get by with a lot more by having them be eight or nine years old. And the emotion that they can't put in their performance is going to carry through just by them being that young and vulnerable and trying to be so tough for their dad. Mm-hmm. And and also understood that they're scared as well. If you're as old as Chandler Riggs, then if you would have just a little bit more uh, emotional bottom that you could dig deep into and, you know, I don't know uh, – I, I, it's just 
I didn't. I got from that performance that Chandler Riggs has never really been angry at a person or had experienced any real loss. Maybe <laughs> uh, like not a, even a dog died. Yeah, he's a pretty young kid. I would hope he hasn't had too much loss yet. So maybe they can kidnap one of his pets and murder it. <laughs> oh no. The real life actor, <laughs> the Chandler Riggs pet? No, no, That's I never set him a bag on. So it's like again, um like season one, Carl, mm-hmm. would have been really fucking tragic that say those uh, dialogue. Um yeah. and slightly older more but he was just in that like, you know, where you've got like the acting ability rising and then the believability of the age for the stuff he's saying, and they, they kind of meet in a sweet spot in the middle, and he was just a little bit to the left or right of that for me. Again, not terrible, just one of my single favorite moments in a comic, one thing that genuinely moved. I don't cry very often, but I got very misty in the bald move when I read that episode, having a son myself, and I was that's what I was looking for, and I didn't get it. So hmm. shame on me. Um Dante says, have you noticed that every walker in the show wears long sleeves? I wish I hadn't noticed this because now I can't watch any scenes with walkers without looking for this. None of the walkers wear short sleeve shirts. Hmm. We're to believe that when the apocalypse started that every single person in Georgia was wearing long sleeves. No one in tank tops. No one in regular short sleeves. Every single person died wearing flannel. What the fuck? (laughs) What is this, Seattle? It's funny you mention this because last episode, my girlfriend and I were laughing about how every fucking zombie looks like the painting of American Gothic. They're all wearing some combination of flannel and overalls and weird old-timey farm dresses mm-hmm. and weird, like, Amish-style combat boots if they're, if they're the ladies. Like, it's, it is really bizarre. Now, the real-life ex- uh, reason for this is it saves on makeup. Yeah. You got you got your your rocking arms. You got to make those arms look diseased and disgusting, and that costs money. But I agree. I think they should splurge and throw in a couple t-shirts, a couple couple of uh, mini skirts, couple a couple of zombies wearing torn up fishnets or something. I don't know a muscle shirt. <laughs> okay, sure, all of the above. Swim swimming trunks and flip flops. Well, I guess the flip-flops would have fallen off by then. A tuxedo. Huh? How about that? Still keep your a long tuxedo, sleeves and it's variety. A tuxedo t-shirt to bring it back oh, around to the, to the wedding. Right? There, you got the best of both worlds there now, Jim. Ugh, yuck. <laughs> um, Mark from Philly said, I've been trying to figure out exactly what is preventing The Walking Dead from reaching the heights of Breaking, ben and Breaking Bad and Mad Men. I almost said Breaking Men and Bad, bad Mad. Uh, despite Season 4 being an improvement over Season 3, the show is about as good as it can get. Is because you have a three-way battle for the direction of the show between Kirkman, AMC, and the producers. Each of these parties has their own priorities, and it appears that only one current producer cares about characterization and depth. Obviously, it would have been made much more sense to follow one or two survivor groups for the first few episodes. There's a reason why Glenn's survival was spoiled for the previews. AMC wanted to create buzz for the following week. Compare this to previews we saw for the final eight of Breaking Bad. I have a feeling that if the Gilligan hadn't swung a stick around, AMC would have ruined those episodes as well. Uh, this episode would have been one of the best of the series if mainly followed Beth and Daryl with the journey, journal entry narration. I swear it feels like each of these three before mentioned parties gets to put specific scenes together. The quality difference from scene to scene is incredibly noticeable. So let me jump in here. Um, the... Breaking Bad was not actually made by AMC. Breaking Bad is made by Sony. Yes. Um, so they, I don't think they would have had the same leeway over Breaking Bad. 
Uh, in fact, that was um, one of the pluses that every once in a while, uh, AMC would be like, we want you to do this. And Sony would be like, well, we want this. And Villig would be like, fuck y'all, stop making episodes. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and that makes them come together and, and, and work out compromises that usually isn't everybody's best interest. Same thing with the Wiener. If anything, he's more combative about it. Yeah, it feels like AMC corporate has like a stranglehold on this thing, though. And whatever they want gets done. Well, and the other problem is the ratings just keep getting up. Yeah. As yeah. the quality the quality generally is plateaued or even descending, the ratings keep getting bigger and bigger, which I guess it's such a novel thing to have on uh, cable because I, I don't understand myself why it's getting I, – I keep waiting. It's like, you know, they're flirting with jumping the shark. And the, 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 you would think that every time they double an audience that their budget would get commiserately bigger. But if anything, mm-hmm. I think the show is kind of getting cheaper. So, yeah, in some ways it feels like it. I, I don't know that the show has degraded all that much in quality uh, that we can judge yet. I mean, yes, they've had a couple stumbles. The The governor's shit at the end of last season was not good, in my opinion. Um Last episode I thought was pretty good. This one I didn't like. But the stuff before the governor in season three was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's degraded for a couple episodes, but, you know, we haven't seen the rest of the season. I'm going to see how things play out. Um, Tyler from Michigan is our last non-spoiler take. Says uh, he had a couple points he wanted to talk about of things that bugged him. Said the idiot survivors by the tracks. How do you survive this long and not be able to kill and or get away from four zombies? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely a problem this show. Like, all your dumbass backpack people, all the Terras that didn't know how to shoot zombie in, this, in the head, they should all be dead now. So you should only have guys like Abraham and Rick and Daryl and girls like Michonne and Maggie and Andrea walking this earth. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, unless they're being protected by somebody, and but you know, like a I, I just, situation, that's that's definitely a problem that uh, this show's has, and it's it's very noted because that's the first thing I thought. It's like these two are healthy, seemingly strong dudes that have weapons. Even if their guns were out of ammo, they could you know rifle butt them. What in the hell is taking so long? You know, why can you not kill these shambling? They they make it a point that these these guys aren't too too tough. I mean, shit, Carl killed four of them by himself in a dark alley with a uh, half full pistol last week. Yeah, like, I don't I don't get it. Um, number two, Tyrese can defeat a hundred zombies in a jam pile with a hammer, but acts like a little girl with the four spread out zombies attacking the amateur hour crew. They were even "quote unquote" helping. Again, very solid point mm-hmm. that this, you know, and that's the other thing I didn't mention that, like, when Tyrese heard the pist- the first gunshot, obviously coming from his girls, why he didn't just immediately take off and run, especially when we find out later that these guys yeah. they weren't even prison survivors; they're just some dumbasses on the road. I know, man. He he doesn't give a shit about these girls. He leaves them in the middle of the woods and then he doesn't go back for them. Maybe he's hoping that the baby problem will just solve itself. (laughs) Maybe maybe this is a much more pragmatic, dark take on his character than we're giving him credit for. Uh, It could be. 
Uh, Glenn, his skinny and don't forget sick ass, which we've not mentioned that. Mm-hmm. He was on death's fucking door getting on that bus. Gets completely piled on by how no, who knows how many zombies and burst out like Kratos from God of War. Really? Wouldn't have made more sense for him to use his known attributes like speed and fast thinking. Mm-hmm. Good point. Then he climbs into the quote-unquote zombie safe zone where Tara is taking a breather and not one zombie uh, notices that they're out there. Oh, shit, they went through that gate. Let's just shamble around until they come back out. Again, uh, hard to argue with that. There are so so many holes here that I feel like punching them all out is not fair. No, that's my job for Fridays on the Zombie Survival Guide at BaldMove.com. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, that's it. We got some spoilers. But first, uh, if you'd like to add, and, and I apologize, people, the brutal cuts, we usually get two or three weeks after a midseason break. Uh, where we've got light enough that we can read everybody's. Not so. Uh, with 15 million people fucking watching this thing, we are just getting tons and tons and tons of emails. So uh, usual rules apply. Uh, the earlier you can get it in and the stronger you can make the take is the way to try to get on the podcast. So we try to read as much as we can, but there's a limit. Um, but if you'd like to take the Walking Dead gauntlet challenge, you can do so at walk watching dead at baldmove.com. Uh, you can always uh, join us on our live Facebook threads on Sunday night at facebook.com slash baldmove. And guess what? Jim does the same thing on Twitter if you'd prefer a 140-character format on Twitter, at baldmove. Uh, we love hearing you guys' thoughts. Thank you for everybody that praised our uh, House of Cards coverage. It really helped keep us going. And also, uh, I like hearing for the people with negative takes because it uh, is a way to keep keep us honest. So thanks for all that. That's all I got, Jim. Are we ready for the spoiler section? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll, of course, be back next week with the instant cast right after the episode. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Spoiler section. What do we have this week? Uh, Trisha DB says, I'm sure I'm not the first to think of this, but I think instead of Carl putting Lizzie down as he does in the comics, it'll have to be Carol. She's going to at some point have to take responsibility for being an enabler of a psychopathic Lily or Lizzie, especially after she kills her sister at some point. Hopefully as soon as these child actors, uh, so hopefully as soon as these child actors are the worst. Are they setting that up with, uh, the potential that Lizzie killed those sick people and Carol covered for her. I, you know what? That's back on the table, even though that doesn't (laughs) make sense on a lot after this episode, that's where people don't, I don't think people also understand why I get angry. Um, because I feel like I know broad strokes where this episode, the season's going. Uh, and I just like, you know, I, I can see where it's going, and I can see the pieces they have to work with, and I know that it's probably not going to work. Hmm. So it's kind of like watching your team that's shitty and has no business doing it make the playoffs. You don't really get that excited unless it's been like the <laughs> first time in 20 years. It's most, mostly thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, they're overachieving. We're going to get fucked in the draft, you know, and you know yeah. you're just going to get ass pounded in the first round anyway so what good is it that's kind of what i suspect is going to happen and at least one or two episodes later on down the line this season i'm just saying 
Dylan says, my idea for what could happen with Judith is maybe Lizzie and Carl become friends. Then Lizzie kills Judith instead of her sister, and the scene plays out like it did in the comics. Holy shit. Wow. All right. That would so, be. Lizzie and Carl become friends. Uh-huh. And then Lizzie kills Judith, and Carl kills Lizzie? Yes. All right. Sure. That, that yeah. would be a nice that not a nice inversion, Jesus. It makes me like a monster. <laughs> that would be an interesting inversion of that storyline from the comic. And God knows Kirkman uh-huh. just can't adapt something from his own goddamn comic, so that would not be objectionable to me. And it's something that I think Lizzie could do as long as she kept you know, as long as her director told her to ease back on the crazy eyes and the furrowed brow and the, the weird mouth <laughs> the shapes she makes. Uh-huh. I also think that Carol and Tyrese will meet up with Beth and Daryl and that Carol will uh, and him will become bo- uh, both become maternal to the kids, and then during the zombie attack, Daryl's going to walk off and chill, uh, uh, be himself like he does every now and then. Then the hunter stuff happens with him as Dale's character. Oh God, he's very close with Rick, and only mm-hmm. one of the actors that have the talent, and the other talented actors wouldn't feel as bad as uh, when they die, except for maybe Glenn. So he's saying that Daryl's going to no. be eaten by the wa- by the hunters. I don't want that to happen. Not at all. He is the kind of guy that would just go off and and uh, get get himself captured, though. He might Although, the way he went after Merle for sure. Uh, I've been rack- we've been racking our brains trying to figure out who would take Andrew's place in the comics. Maybe Tara will take her place. She's pretty good at the gun, and she's not in the comics. Uh, where's this pretty good at the gun come from? That's her own. Br- this episode, I guess. That's that's her own bragging about herself. And yeah, she's suddenly headshotting zombies left and right. But um, <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, I I could get behind that. I actually like Tara, and I like the actress playing her. It's not again. I, I, it's not her fault yeah. that she was calling everybody bro and fist bumping everybody. Yeah, they've backed off on that, and I'm okay with Thank it. Thank Christ. I'm also super against Negan being introduced before the end of season five or beginning of season six. Agreed. It would just feel like, I mean, I've heard, I've seen a lot, like we talked about last week with the synopsis that strongly imply that. But to me, that's such a governor, that's such a Death Star too, such a governor warm over that it probably, you know, it's like depending on how cynical you are, that's exactly what Walking Dead would do or that's a bad thing for them to do. Uh, Matt Lucy says, my prediction, probably three to four episodes left in the season. Everyone uh, in the group is reunited. That Lizzie will kill her sister Mika and possibly Judith too. Carl will then kill Lizzie in return since he is, uh, she is far off her rocker since no one else will step up to the plate. I do hope they keep that in. I don't really want to see Carol do it. I want to see Carl. Again, I sound like a fucking insane person. I want to see Carl kill another child. Just because, the, <laughs> just because that's one of the all-time great moments of the comic book when the 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 the, the adults are hand wringing about, oh my god, what do we do about this kid? He just killed this other kid. What are we going to do? Carl just steps up and is like, bam! This is what you do with people that kill. Um, sure, I, I mean, I I think that would be really really ballsy, but I also think there's an angle on Carol where. She has mentored this child, yes. or she has tried to at least, and now she's got to kill her, and that is rough too. And I, I don't know that AMC's got the wherewithal to have kids killing kids. This her suffocating yeah, yeah. Uh, attempted suffocation of the baby might be as close as they got, and people you know lost their shit about it and her feedback. So like her actually killing another child in cold blood might be a, a bridge too far. <laughs> 
Um, in my opinion, this plot line's playing out just like the comics, except for different cast of characters, except Carl. Comparing to comics now, um, with my theory of the season finale, Carl kills Ben, who killed his brother Billy in the woods. The two boys are under the care of Dale and uh, Andrea. After this happens, of course, the hunters and cannibal group with the leader, uh, Chris, takes Dale. Now, this could be the cliffhanger of season finale which, which in which a member of the group is taken by cannibals. I think it will be either Rick or Glenn. My gut's leaning more towards Glenn, though. Definitely going to be an interesting last half of the season. I agree. I just, again... I'm a little bit more hopeful that we'll see the hunters this season after a, a more detailed breakthrough of the um, uh, of of the uh, synopsis we got in the last podcast. But I could also see that just not happening. Edwin C says, "Last week you guys seemed to be a little confused about how Michonne got her sword and her skills, so I'll explain what they tell us in the comic before I go into where the season is headed." And I like this because I needed a refresher. In the comics, they tell us that Michonne got her sword from her neighbor's son's room. She was ransacking the place and found it. As for her skills and recent issues, Michonne meets another sword wielder who instantly sees that she holds her sword like a fencer. She explains that that is a style she learned when things were normal and kind of adapted her own sense. In a recent interview with the Walking Dead execs, they explained that this show will be entirely on the road and leading up to the Alexander's safe zone. We've already discussed possible storylines from the comics, so I won't go into them, but I think people are being a little early on the trigger with Negan showing up. I think people are forgetting how much happens in between the group arriving at the sanctuary and the arrival of Negan. I think we could have another season or two of story before we even see him. Uh, And he breaks it down like uh, so. We have a group arriving in the safe zone. We have them fitting into the group that hasn't seen the horrors they've seen. Uh, the eventual turn in leadership from uh, Monroe to Rick and how the community feels about that. Rick's group teaching the new survivors the badass way of the zombie apocalypse, the fall of the safe zone, the battle of thousands of walkers, the aftermath of the attack and meeting of Jesus, discovering of other communities and meeting them, leaning on the Savior, learning of the Saviors and later small skirmishes with them. I'm sure I'm missing some, but that's a lot of story to be had before Negan shows up, and I believe there's almost 50 issues between the fall of the prison and meeting Negan. Lastly, I'd like to hear your predictions on who's not making it out of the season. With the arrival of Abraham and soon arrival of Jesus, who has achieved Daryl Dixon level of badass in the comics, this show can't have that many badasses at one time, right? Well, uh, I hate to break it to you, Edwin, but it's been my long-term theory that Daryl's dead at this next episode, this next season. And bringing in a badass like yeah. Jesus, who would be an instant fan favorite, would be a way to smooth that over with the viewers. But I think that's probably... I never thought of Jesus being the replacement, but now it makes a lot of sense that uh, Norman Reedus contracts up next year. Daryl dies. They sign on some really cool ass guy to play Jesus. And Mm -hmm. then between him and Abraham, that's who's going to be carrying the badass banner. Okay. That could work. I actually like his point about um, kind of the timing of everything, how long it could take to get to Negan, because they do. It can, it can, and probably should, uh, if he's talking about like getting to Alexandria and like the being overrun and everything and having thousands of Walker battle, like they've already teased that, right? They showed that big wall of walkers. Yeah. Right. So if anything is going to happen this season, they're going to probably battle that wall of walkers. And we got to see where this terminus goes. I should have, uh, I don't know why I just thought of this right now, but I should have looked at that map and see if we could compare it to something to a real map and see where that's actually going. Yeah. That's a good idea. So, it might be something for uh, enterprising fans, and maybe we can get to it next week. That's all I got, man. That's a cast. Okay. Sounds good. We will see you guys next Sunday. Yep.